0: Welcome to Sunspotting, the show where we discuss the personal stories, lives, and hobbies of the people you see every day at SeaSun. I'm your host, Jed Bookout. Today's episode is about Richard Rockman. Who do you think makes more money? A scientist or a dog groomer? I love
1: dog grooming. It was such a cool job. You make really good money in tips, and so I had all this money, and... You know, it was just a really honest, it was really
0: honest work. Dog grooming might make for good money, but it's not what Richard Rockman wanted to do with his life. Richard Rockman now is a plant ecologist in the Schiffman Lab at CSUN, a graduate student and a field technician for the National Park Service. An impressive resume for anyone, let alone for a current record of employment. But when it comes to how he pays his bills.
1: Especially in this country, we're very often not compensated for the time and effort we put into our craft. The papers we read, the students we teach, the people we mentor, um, we're paid very
0: little. This is part of how Rockman has learned to survive. It sounds like it beats the alternative though. Rockman's life adventure to becoming a scientist took him everywhere from being a dog groomer in Wisconsin to the wilderness of Colorado, but why?
1: I had just finished dog grooming school to get myself a trade. And I was dog grooming out in Wisconsin, and I wasn't making any money, and I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired, as the saying goes. And I didn't want to do it anymore. So I decided then and there to get sober.
0: Rockman was raised in South Orange County and has loved animals and plants his entire life. In fact...
1: I've been interested in animals and plants since I was a little child. When I was young, I didn't speak when I was younger. I had developmental issues. And my first word was elephant. I was just obsessed with animals. And like I had little toy animals that I'd play with and categorized by by continent and by ecosystem. And I was just fascinated with
0: animals. School didn't always come easy for Rockman. He began his undergrad studies at Colorado State University in 2009 with the intention of becoming a zookeeper. There were a few hiccups along the way. First, he didn't have the focus required to do well in class. I quickly did not do well in school. Second, he fell in with the wrong crowd. I started hanging out with the wrong people
1: and started using drugs and alcohol as a coping mechanism.
0: At one point, He was homeless.
1: I just laughed. I went on a road trip to Colorado, adopted a dog along the way, Hendrix. But I lived out of my car with him for a few months. So I grifted for money. And then I stole a few times from coffee shops and Walmarts and stuff.
0: It was this combination that created the perfect storm of Richard's life to bottom out. It was cold.
1: Slipping in my car, a lot of uncomfortable positions. School was the last thing on my mind. I was just really focused on getting high like whenever I could. That was really all I cared about.
0: Rockman's parents decided that he needed to go to rehab. But listeners, close your eyes for a second. What do you see when you picture a rehab facility? A building? A hospital? Some kind of motel-like establishment? Let's hear how Rockman described his actual experience. I was 19 turning 20 Most depressed I've ever been in my entire life
1: And my parents put me into a, a rehab Where I lived in the wilderness for almost 3 months
0: Hold on uh, one second, let me clarify that It was a, a, a rehab in which you lived in, in the wilderness?
1: Mm-hmm. It was an outdoor wilderness rehab
0: and How does that work? I've never heard of that
1: so, uh, they, it's, a little, it's tough love so, you know, you you're, you don't have access to drugs and alcohol. I mean, there's people there that go, it's a Mormon program. So they have people there for homosexuality and, you know, mental illnesses. And so they have counselors that come out there and they have staff that stay with you. And you go from campsite to campsite, you hike for almost 10 miles a day at times. And I did it in winter, so it wasn't quite that hot, but you get supplies every week of like rice and beans and those sorts of things.
0: As unorthodox as Rockman's detox was, it invigorated his love of science once again. It was here that he decided he wanted to take school more seriously and become a zookeeper. But before he could do anything science related, he needed to focus on staying clean, which led him to dog grooming.
1: Dog grooming, I just, um, working all the time, you know, it's a really hard job and it's dirty. You get anal gland juice all over your hands and poop and pee and semen and vaginal fluids and just, it's a really dirty job. And working every day, 9 to 5, sometimes earlier. I have to get in the salon at by 6 a.m. Um, and you don't leave until the sun's down, sometimes like 8, 9 o'clock on holidays. It was really honest work. And I know a lot of, uh, there are drug groomers that struggle with um, drug and alcohol abuse. But for me, like, I just, I needed... It, it kept me sober, not only for the dogs, for myself and my work.
0: This wasn't just something Richard treated as a job, either. Richard Rockman knows a lot about dogs. Chihuahuas are interesting.
1: It's a, It was a breed that was developed from an ancestral breed, called the Chichi in northern Mexico. But the Chihuahua of modern day is probably some European invention. But, but the Azteca, they consumed them. So these, these dogs would go along with Aztecan warriors as they were going from, like, or messengers as they were going from one village to the next on these long runs. And the dogs were expected to come with them on these, like, chains. And, you know, they'd eat one, like, along their journey or, you know, they, they were just, you know, they are animals, they were livestock.
0: Richard didn't get into the program to become a zookeeper, which is when he decided to go to SeaSun. His time at SeaSun has been successful, to say the least
1: as an instructor, uh, with the biology department, with my research, with my advocacy for plant conservation, I do work with the national park and I'm giving talks at native, for native plant societies and such. I'm a, also sub, I'm on a bunch of subcommittees and committees for the California native plant society for the university student union. Like I'm just like, I'm just, can I curse?
0: I'm nonstop. <laughs> He earned a bachelor's degree in biology with an emphasis on ecology and evolution while minoring in geographic information systems. His work as a researcher allows him to monitor native and invasive plants in the Santa Monica Mountains National Recreation Area, where he examines rare and common species, records data, and reports his findings to the National Park Service. Richard is concerned with the overall sustainability of the ecosystems he studies and believes that fostering their survival is paramount to the survival of the human race.
1: So my interest in plant ecology is more so less interest in plants, but more interest in the conservation of ecosystems. I do love plants and I'm I'm fairly good at, you know, what I do, but I'm really in it for conservation. I and that's why I don't study genomics or cancer or anything like that because I think the the issue of our time is truly conservation. I think that's all anyone should be talking about, is how we're quickly
0: losing control of this planet. His work has taken him as far as Ecuador, which is where he inadvertently got a botfly in his back, which is a really long, fascinating, and hilarious story. But if you want to hear that story in full, be sure to listen to the episode 6.5 minisode after this. Another thing about Richard that's interesting is how his identity informs his work and vice versa.
1: I have a lot of privilege as a gay man. I kind of, you know, I can walk into a room and have ample voice. Science science has this this kind of, the odd thing about it is it's so heteronormative, you know. People think science is so liberal, right, like, oh, it's so accepting, you know, People scientists are so, like, with their liberal agendas, and it's, it, it, maybe it's becoming that way, but, you know, science and academia in general has been very heteronormative up until... most recently.
0: Being queer in a heteronormative environment, even with the level of privilege Richard acknowledges he has, isn't easy. He mentions a sort of hidden homophobia and transphobia in the culture at CSUN, telling me that when he posts about anything relating to the LGBTQIA community on CSUN subreddit, it gets downvoted. Sometimes, the culture on campus fosters these ideas inadvertently. But as the saying goes, when life gives you lemons, make those lemons gayer or something like that
1: these aren't queer spaces either and i kind of have to make them queer for myself to feel comfortable which is a little weird to say out loud but like i carry a purse out with me when i go in these wild spaces and i have my little like knockoff chanel like coin purse where i keep all my magnifying glasses to look at specimens under on on the go microscopy I just make these spaces more me.
0: The work Richard does is important, but it's not exactly sustainable for his own well-being at times.
1: I dealt with food insecurity almost immediately moving into the dorms. I just had no access
0: to fresh fruits and vegetables and I didn't have the funds in order to get it. Food insecurity and a lack of finances are a bad combination for anybody. Still, this is yet another way Richard's learned to adapt and survive to do the things he loves. One of the most fascinating and inspiring things about Richard Rockman that I noticed over the course of our interview is that he doesn't remember the day he decided to become sober. He knows that he's reached his seven-year mark, but... I got sober in an August...
1: I'm sorry. It's, It's so hard for me to remember sometimes. September 16th, 2000 and... Was it 12 or 13? Either 12 or 13... It's the same day, oh my gosh, it's September 23rd, 21st. September 21st is my brother's birthday. It's the same day as my brother's birthday. Yeah, September
0: 21st, September 16th is my sister's birthday. It's not that the day or the action of giving up drugs and alcohol isn't important to him. Quite the opposite. What's impressive about him not remembering the day is that he's become able to let those days serve as a reminder of where he came from and not a definition of who he is now.
1: Seven years. I cried a little bit when I realized I missed it. Like, not because I missed it, because I was a little proud of myself. In years past, I've posted Facebook messages, or posts about it, and been a little more self-congratulatory, but this year it just kind of came and went, I guess.
0: Just another day?
1: It was just another day. Another day I'm alive and not dead.
0: If we look at life through the metaphor of a fork in the road, the idea that everything is made of branching paths we can take and can't backtrack on, addiction is a bit like an avalanche blocking one of the paths. Down the available path is eventual death. Down the blocked path is recovery. Addiction makes it so easy for us to just walk down the available path and resign ourselves to fate. But for anybody that's been at that fork, sometimes you're gonna need to get down on your hands and knees and clear the rubble piece by piece to open up the road to recovery. This is the process of recovery. This is the process of survival, something Richard acknowledges he's mastered at this point. I'm very good at survival.
1: Not only because, you know, partially trained in it, living in the wilderness in one of my rehab programs, but I'm just very good, and to this day, I think I'm very good at thinking on my toes. Some people say it's an I, I'm good at ideas, but I, I'm just very good at getting what I need to
0: survive. Richard Rockman hasn't forgotten the process of having to clear the path. He just doesn't need that process to be the definition of himself.
1: My sobriety, my existence is important. Every day is important. And if there's anything that I, I do pull from recovery communities, it's that every single day matters. And I take things one day at a time. And I'm really happy that I'm alive. Yeah, that something stupid didn't happen to me.
0: Now, Rockman is in a happy, healthy relationship with a boyfriend who loves him dearly. And he is doing important, essential work for the college, the city, the state, and even the world. But he can't do it alone.
1: To end just with a little bit of advice for students that um, if they're interested in, in fields of science and research, it, it's so much fun, but just volunteer as much as you can. And really, like, and you know, if your schedule doesn't allow it, make sacrifices to allow it. If you, it takes experience to get experience, and we need more women and queer people and people of color within science. And so, my advice is just get out there and Volunteer, get experience. If any of your listeners are interested in ecology, um, feel free to reach out to me. I, I have no problems working with undergrads. Part of what I want to do as a queer ecologist is is use my privilege to assist others. You know, not as a, like a white savior, but as someone that acknowledges shit is fucked up and we have issues even within the liberal ivory tower.
0: Thanks for listening to sunspotting. For more stories like these, you can search for sunspotting on the sundial.csun.edu or search for the daily sundial sunspotting on Apple Music, Spotify, or any other podcatcher. To hear Richard Rockman's full botfly story, listen to the episode 6.5 minisode after this. If you're interested in a career path in science... You can also find Richard on Instagram at a underscore wandering underscore ecologist. For The Sundial, this has been Jed Bookout.